Connection phase. Eat to play. Quote, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. Hippocrates. No starving yourself. The only way to make lasting change is if they become habits that come as easy and natural to you as brushing your teeth. You should not feel deprived. The habits in this first phase are intentionally set up so that you learn to add things that will make you feel rewarded instead of leaving you feeling guilty for not eliminating a poor habit. I recommend focusing on one variable and learn to notice how it makes you feel before trying to incorporate everything at once and end up overwhelmed and back at square one. When you fall off the wagon and get frustrated or disappointed in yourself, stop and go back to these first few habits. This program is not about calorie restriction either. I know so many other moms who tell me they are on a 1200 calorie a day diet and I think you poor thing, you must be so hungry as I chow down my beer and burger. I'm thankful that I have poor willpower when it comes to not eating. In my case, I've always been really active and very intuitive about how I feel and what foods gave me energy. I put a lot of good foods in my body and occasionally indulge in bad foods with very little guilt. If you feel like you need to restrict your calories to lose weight, I encourage you to trust me on this one or go do more research. All calories are not created equal and we are not concerned with how many calories you are eating. The most important part of being able to lose weight and feel great is having your hormones work for you. Food is one factor in affecting your hormone response, but so is stress, movement, and sleep. When you can dial in all four of these things together, your hormones will help you be lean, strong, and energetic. If that doesn't appeal to you, then go ahead and eat your 300 calorie meals four times a day, but I prefer my bacon, kale, and hummus interspersed throughout my day with hiking, climbing, surfing, reading, and yoga. One of the biggest reasons I don't like the idea behind calorie counting is that it puts food as an enemy. I love you, but I can only have a little of you. Food is our existence. It provides the fuel for all our dreams. You literally are what you eat. So don't you think you should have a good relationship with yourself? Not that I'm telling you to go out and eat a large pizza every night, but just stop worrying about calories and start thinking of your food in terms of nutrients and the energy it supplies you. In essence, how it affects your blood sugar. As you start developing a healthier relationship with food, make it just that, a healthier relationship. No more overeating, no more guilt, no more restrictions. Redefine for yourself and your family what a normal diet is. When you skip a meal, your body releases cortisol, which causes your liver to release glycogen, which then increases your blood sugar, which causes your pancreas to pump out insulin. Likewise, when you overeat carbs, you're increasing your blood sugar and causing an insulin release. Eventually, if you continue this pattern, your overworked pancreas will eventually not be able to produce enough insulin, and that's how metabolic syndrome, also known as Syndrome X, begins. Take a look in the mirror. If you have fat around your midsection, you are more susceptible to developing insulin resistance and eventually type 2 diabetes. The good news is that with diet recommendations outlined here in Eat to Play and the exercise, most of this can be reduced or avoided. The beauty of exercise is that the more your muscles are used, the better they become at using excess sugar so your pancreas doesn't have to work so hard. The biggest rule when it comes to eating your carbs is, did you earn them? 
For ultimate health and leanness, you should only eat carbs immediately post-exercise. If you exercised at 8 in the morning and are sitting down at 5 at night, that doesn't count. If you can't resist the carbs, then go run a mile, do 300 air squats, or 100 push-ups right before you eat. It doesn't really matter what you do. Just want to tell yourselves, hey, wake up. I'm about to send you some carbs, and I want to make sure you're going to use them and not just store them as more fat. Another thing that happens when you skip meals is that your body increases the production of fat-storing lipogenic enzymes. This is especially true for women. Even if you don't know what lipogenic means or enzymes are, I think we can all agree we don't want any more of things with the words fat-storing in them. We will eventually be talking about purposely fasting, but first we need to get you exercising more and eating the correct foods. Science seems to always be contradicting itself. In the 1990s, it was fat-free. Now it's healthy fat diet trend. We were told cholesterol and red meat were the enemies, and in trading our eggs and beef for Cheerios and bagels, we ended up with a diabetes epidemic. I remember in college, my husband would eat fat-free hot dogs and red vines and think it was healthy because it was fat-free. He is way leaner, more energetic, and happier now that his diet revolves around grass-fed beef and organic spinach. The point is, sometimes we should stop listening to whatever nutrition fad is going around and use our own bodies as gauges. I know many adults who are stuck in the 80s or 90s mentality of low cholesterol diets, but it's obviously not working. Remember the Special K commercial back in the day? If you can pinch more than an inch, you need to lose weight. Unfortunately, eating more cereal, though, isn't the answer. Let's go over what is. Hunger versus appetite. Learning the difference between hunger and appetite and teaching your kids the difference too is very important. If you're truly hungry, you will eat boiled chicken and steamed broccoli. Appetite is what sounds good. For instance, oh, I feel like a delicious turkey club sandwich. That's appetite versus I'm starving. I just paddled for two hours and haven't eaten anything today. I hope my kids left me two pieces of bacon. The beauty is when these two merge. A year ago, our family took a trip to Nicaragua to surf. Victor and I had been to Costa Rica and enjoyed it, but to save money, we thought Nicaragua would be just as good. They're right next to each other, so they're pretty much the same, right? Wrong. While we were at a resort in southern Nicaragua, it was great because there was a restaurant to order food. But then we started heading north into a small fishing village and things got extremely rural and impoverished quickly. One house we stayed at for a week was in the middle of one of those fishing villages and didn't have grocery stores. Instead, a few of the people there would sell food out of their homes from what they call pulperias. The caretaker of our house took care of getting all the food and his sister prepared delicious meals for us. 
The challenge was that she only prepared three meals for us, and we felt bad asking for more food because the people there live on so little. This was a huge awakening on what hunger feels like. In the States, our kids are so used to having food around them to snack on all day long that it's not a big deal if they don't eat their entire meal. That was not the case while we were down in Nicaragua. When all you get is three meals, you eat whatever is put in front of you. Of course, we weren't really starving, but we were so hungry that come mealtime, everyone ate whatever she cooked, which did happen to be extremely delicious, and not a single bit of food went uneaten. This was an amazing experience for a family in appreciation and a great lesson in not always needing to eat just because something sounds good. You'd be amazed what you can eat when you are truly hungry. Also, don't assume that you can go the whole day and just not eat. Willpower only lasts so long, and we'd rather not have to rely on mind over matter, especially when we are truly hungry. At some point during the day, you will have to eat, and it's better to think ahead and have the right choices ready so you don't have to reach for the wrong foods. No fake food. I call this the prequel to all the habits, and it is a no-brainer to me because it requires very little thought. I understand it's confusing to choose between chicken and beef or sweet potatoes and russet potatoes, but the choice between something that you can trace to a seed or a mom and something that was created in a lab is easy. The food industry is sneaky and deceptive. We are constantly bombarded by false messages and lies. Your body can only get proper energy from real food. When you give it chemicals, food dyes, and preservatives, it has to expend tremendous amounts of energy on clearing all of these toxins from your body and leaves you with very little energy to spend on things that matter to you. Not only that, but eating fake foods plays havoc on your hormones, and without your hormones functioning properly, it is impossible to lose weight or feel great. Other health-related risks from eating fake food include cancer, hyperactivity, allergies, diabetes, high cholesterol, high triglycerides, thyroid disruption, headaches, dizziness, stomach aches, asthma attacks, inhibit proper functioning of the digestive enzymes, accelerated aging, and heart disease. Here's a list of some of the chemicals and additives that are being sneaked into your food that you want to avoid, many of which have already been banned in other countries. Artificial colors, aspartame, sucralose, saccharin, sorbitol, benzoic acid, sodium benzoate, high fructose corn syrup, monosodium glutamate, olestra, partially hydrogenated oils, including seed oils like sunflower oil and canola oil, potassium bromate, sodium nitrate, ammonium sulfate, L-cysteine, titanium dioxide, BHA, BHT, potassium bromate, and emulsifiers. I know it's a lot of hard names to remember, but as you get in the habit of only eating real food that can be grown or raised, it will eliminate the need to remember this list. One exception to this rule is soy. Yes, it is grown, so in theory it should be okay, but it's not. Almost all soy seeds in the U.S. are genetically modified, and the crop is so mass-produced it is highly sprayed with pesticides. Even organic soy should be limited because of its negative effects on digestion, thyroid hormones, and a number of other negative impacts it has on the body. If you are highly attached to soy, then do your homework and decide for yourself. Once you eliminate processed foods, giving up soy shouldn't be an issue. 
I don't get into gluten-free or dairy-free diets until the determination phase, but keep in mind that most of the wheat and other grains grown in the United States are genetically modified and doused in pesticides from a very early stage of growth. Gluten-free isn't so much about not being able to tolerate the grain as much as your body not knowing how to break down the modified chemical makeup of the plant. Have some healthy go-tos. It's a little boring to eat the same thing every day, and if you overdo it, it can lead to food allergies also, but it also takes the guesswork out of eating and leaves you more time to play. As you read through this, I talk about my go-tos. They're the foods I usually eat on a daily basis, and I try to always have them stocked and ready to go so that I can put my energy into other forms of fun. I love my go-tos. They typically are easy to prepare or buy, and they keep me feeling good. As you go through this process, start identifying your go-tos. You may already have some go-tos that aren't good choices, so see if you can substitute them for something better. I want to make it clear, though, that eating is not black and white. There is this very large gray area I feed myself and my family in. Certain diet books make it sound so rigid with no gluten, no grains, no dairy, no sugar, no fun. But I personally can't eat in absolutes. I like to think of what's the best choice I can make out of not ideal choices. I rarely tell myself no, but I do minimize how much of the less than ideal foods I eat so as to not feel deprived all while finding ways to sneak in a little bit more of the good stuff. You will have to eat for the rest of your life, so it's important to avoid burnout at all costs. I see this in a lot of people. When they first start a new eating plan, it's really exciting to try new recipes and get creative. But after a while, it's just another burden. That's why I use my crock pot so much. Food is fuel, and I need it to be ready when I'm hungry. I can't get too caught up in a variety and presentation on a regular basis or I'll have no energy left for fun. Plus, when you're constantly planning the meals, you end up doing just that, thinking about food all the time. I want that brain power used for more fun. Fun first, then food. Stick with some go-tos, move often throughout the day, and eat a bit of organic dark chocolate if needed. Eating out. Be very selective in where and how often you eat out. Even when you're eating at a restaurant that is farm to table, most of the meals that you're eating are still loaded with sugar and lacking in protein and fiber. Put these three things together and you have a recipe for not being able to lose weight or feel good. I understand that with all the new restaurants popping up, it's hard to resist eating out, but I encourage you to really limit yourself on eating out to only one time a week, preferably on your splurge day, and go hog wild because even the healthiest choices on the menu aren't that healthy anyways. So you may as well enjoy yourself and then buckle down for the next six days and stick with the nutrition habits. The nice thing with the farm to table restaurant is that you are usually getting real food without chemicals. If you're eating out at a fast food chain and want some motivation to stop, keep in mind that most of the food they serve is anti-food. You may think you're eating a chicken sandwich, but you're really eating soy, corn, and high fructose corn syrup topped off with hormone-laced meat. Sorry. If you want an eye-opener, watch Super Size Me, King Corn, or Food Inc. Those would help motivate you to cook more at home.
Victor and I have a favorite restaurant that we go to once a week or every other week. It is a farm-to-table restaurant, and there are lots of food that seem healthy on the menu, but the reality is I know if I order the fish or the steak, the serving is so little protein that we will need to eat again when we get home. Plus, it's covered in a lot of unhealthy fat and sugar. So we always choose to do the damage and order a hamburger. I don't make hamburgers at home, so it's a great choice for us to eat something that we don't have on an everyday basis, and that little splurge satiates my cravings so that the next day I can go back to my normal eating habits for the week. I love how we are rubbing off on our kids. The day after Halloween, my oldest daughter said to me, some people really like candy, but I would much rather have a piece of sourdough bread with some brie. That is one of our splurge meals, and while that might not sound appealing to you, it's a pretty big deal that my 14-year-old daughter is drawn to real foods over fake ones, because all the Halloween candy that was in their trick-or-treat bags was filled with high-fructose corn syrup, which isn't a real food, and the sourdough and the brie that we buy is always organic or well-sourced. So from now on, before you take a bite of something, stop and think if you can name all the ingredients of what you are about to eat, and could you grow it or raise it? Sourcing your eyes and legs. There is one big rule that we follow when it comes to eating, and that is source. Where did this food come from? How was it grown or raised? How many steps were taken to get it from its original form to what I'm going to eat? And more importantly, take the time to notice how you feel 30 to 60 minutes after you eat it. Did you know that it's not normal to be bloated or gassy? I think a lot of people are so used to feeling this way after eating that they think it's just a normal part of eating. It's not. There's a big difference between sitting down to eat a quarter pound of Costco commercially raised burger with a processed hamburger bun, a piece of iceberg lettuce, and a slice of tomato versus having a full colander of spinach with a quarter pound or even better yet, a half pound of grass-fed beef. Personally, we like to smother that organic grass-fed beef with peanut butter and sauerkraut. I know, it sounds gross, but it's actually amazing. When someone tells me they don't eat red meat because of cholesterol, I feel so bad because they are missing out on so much nutritional power. That's really what it feels like when you eat the right foods. You feel powerful because your cells know how to use the nutrients and convert them into energy. You'll learn that my weakness is an IPA and I'm extremely picky. Every so often, I find one that I really, really like, and I make the mistake of having two pints. Wow, do I regret it a few hours later. The funny thing is that any time I do that, I tell my husband, I feel like my cells are screaming at me. Learn to listen to your cells. After having a greens juice or the organic black coffee I drink, I feel like my cells are having a party. The typical American diet is mostly comprised of some form of processed or GMO form of corn, wheat, or soy. These products are everywhere. They are cheap, convenient, and fast. Not only that, but they seem filling, even though it's a false sense, and we start to fear being hungry without them. I hear clients say, I just can't eat veggies and meat. I'll be hungry. And I agree. Most of us need a little more than that, especially as you start to train harder. For now, use the organic potatoes and rices to fill the gap where you would normally use breads and pastas. Later, we will be adding more beans and starchy vegetables to take the place of some of these carbs. The first time I went to Costa Rica, I was shocked and stoked about the ratio of macronutrients on my plate. 
A typical meal there consisted of 50% vegetables, of which half were fibrous vegetables like a salad, and the other half starchier versions like potatoes and squashes. 25% starchy carbs from the form of rice or beans or occasionally tortillas, and 25% meat, beef, chicken, or fish. At first, it was a shock because I was used to eating way more protein. And to be honest, it was torture for Victor who really needed more protein. But I was amazed at how great I felt. It takes a conscious effort to buy and make meals in that ratio. But once you establish a routine, it becomes really quite easy. If you are training harder or if you have a lot of weight to lose, don't limit your protein here. It's better to up your serving of quality protein until you get to where you feel like your sugar and starch cravings diminish. Then experiment with less meat and more plant-based foods. Keep in mind that a blueberry muffin made with processed flour isn't the type of plant-based foods we're striving for. Try to get a serving of one of the following at each meal. Free-range brown eggs, grass-fed beef, free-range chicken or turkey, wild-caught seafood, pastured pork, pastured lamb, grass-fed bison, wild game. Industrialized meat is full of hormones and other crap. If it's a choice between industrialized meat or no protein, I recommend skipping the protein and eating more beans and veggies. That's what we do when we go to parties. However, grocery stores are doing a good job these days of trying to get better source protein in their stores. You might find that shopping at stores like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods easier to find the quality protein you need. This is an area where your grocery bill could get much more expensive. But remember, a little bit can go a long way. Now, there are always exceptions to this and you will have to do a little experimenting with yourself to decide what works best for you. I am a strong believer in Peter Diamo's eating for your blood type. I see a difference in the clients I work with and definitely see a difference at home between myself, Victor, and our kids. Type O's are going to need a little more grass-fed beef and shouldn't eat much pork and only a little chicken. While type A's seem to respond better with small amounts of pork, turkey, and chicken and very little beef. For instance, I am a type A and feel great with two pieces of bacon for breakfast a few slices of turkey for lunch, and a small chicken breast for dinner. Victor, who is a type O, feels great with four eggs for breakfast, a half pound of beef for lunch, another half pound of beef for dinner. Type Bs don't do well on chicken, and type ABs don't do well with caffeine, alcohol, smoked or cured meats. The point is, what works for one doesn't always work for the other, and you have to pay attention to how you feel after you eat. You should feel satiated, satisfied and energized for at least three hours after your meal. If you are reaching for sweets right after, you probably need to eat more protein at your meal or try a different type of protein. If you feel like you need a nap after you eat, you might be overdoing the protein. I do think there is a lot of validity to Peter Diamo's blood type diet. However, I don't feel like you have to follow it with 100% adherence. I certainly don't. Type A's like me aren't supposed to eat tomato. Does that mean that I never eat a tomato? Of course not. It just means I don't eat it every day. The same for beef. And to be honest, I probably have grass-fed beef five days a week and still feel pretty strong and energetic. Keep everything in perspective and eat whole foods that are pasture-raised or grown naturally and avoid foods that are mass-produced.
Try not to get caught up in the 80s thinking that meat is bad. It all comes down to how it is raised, what it is fed, and how it is processed. The closer you can get to source and the way nature intended our food to be raised, the better. I tell everyone that the secret to my husband's success in looking better as he ages is the beef. When we're traveling and he doesn't have grass-fed beef every day, he gets low energy and starts gaining weight. He will tell you too that sourcing makes a huge difference. He can instantly tell if he eats commercially raised beef because it leaves him feeling hungry and he doesn't get energy from it. As long as he gets a little grass-fed beef every day, he feels great. One important step in making you successful with this habit is that you have to buy the right type and quantity ahead of time. It's so important. If you are walking into the grocery store after work to buy protein for your dinner, you're going to have a hard time finding a good source protein and more importantly, be able to prepare it in a way that tastes good. So in the end, you're going to stop the habit. You need to think ahead a bit. I'm constantly thinking what protein is the family eating tomorrow? That way it's always defrosted and cooked when they're hungry. If you're an O blood type, buying a quarter to a half of a cow from a local farmer is probably the best decision you can make. Before we lived on our motorhome, we always had a freezer full of half a cow. It was great because it took one less decision out of the meal plan process. At the beginning of the week, I would defrost, hold your breath for these numbers, 11 pounds of grass-fed ground beef, two roasts, three to five steaks. This would allow Victor to have a pound of grass-fed beef every day split between lunch and dinner, two days of ground beef and rice for lunch for the kids, one day of shredded beef for tacos, one day for fajitas, one day for steak with potatoes. The crazy part of this is since I'm an A blood type, this didn't even include the amount of protein I made for myself and the other kids who are blood type A. I still prepare the same amount of meat each week. I just go to different stores to get exactly what I want. Now, if you're a number oriented like me, you're probably doing the math thinking, that must cost a fortune. It does, but it costs less than medical bills and the increase in quality and enjoyment of life is priceless. It's your choice. I think when you start noticing the difference in how you feel, you will agree that you are worth it. Let me apologize ahead of time also. Ignorance is bliss. When you change your diet to completely unprocessed, organic, grass-fed, free-range, wild-caught food grown the way it was intended to, you won't be able to go back to eating crap. Sorry, your days of running through the drive-thru for dinner will be over, which means more time shopping, preparing, and cooking your food. But hey, it's totally worth it. Get on the juice. In order to digest the food you eat, your body requires enzymes. There are three types of enzymes, metabolic, digestive, and food. Enzymes are responsible for many metabolic processes, including supplying energy, digesting food, purifying the blood, and ridding the body of waste products. They also assist with keeping our body in top form, help lower the cholesterol level, clean the colon, break down fats, strengthen the immune system, improve mental capacity, detoxify the body of unwanted wastes, eliminate carbon dioxide from our lungs, and build muscles. Enzymes are obviously important. The problem is that when you eat processed foods, you deplete a lot of your body's enzymes and add stress on your body to produce more than it often can. If you're not eating a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, you aren't supplying your body with a lot of the enzymes it needs. Think of it as a bank account. 
If you aren't making regular deposits, then you can't keep making withdrawals before eventually being overdrawn. When your body is lacking the required enzymes to do a job, it will have to get the enzymes from other parts of the body, depleting the body's natural enzymes. One option is to take an enzyme supplement. If you are overweight, have any autoimmune issues, or feel extremely tired all the time, then an enzyme supplement is a good idea in addition to the next option. A better solution is to get your enzymes from fresh plant foods such as grains, fruits, and vegetables. Cooking these foods usually destroys the enzymes. That's why juicing fresh fruits and vegetables is one of the best ways to give your body deposits of enzymes. Start rebuilding your enzyme bank account by juicing every day. Juicing is instant gratification to your digestive system. Your body doesn't have to work to break down the food and absorb the nutrients. Instead, all those power-packed vitamins are readily available to go straight to your cells to detoxify and restore your body. Like we tell our kids, no whining. Please don't tell us your excuse why you can't juice. It's too expensive? Well, get more creative in your budgeting, eat out less, buy less clothing, drive an older car. It takes too long to make. Really? I've timed it. 10 minutes to rinse veggies, make the juice, and clean the juicer. Everyone can spare 10 minutes towards feeling amazing. But it's so much to wash is another excuse. We have the Omega, which we love. It takes one minute to wash. One minute. But what about the wasted pulp? There are many things that get wasted each day. We think we can let this one go since it's contributing to so much good in our bodies. If it really bothers you, then compost it or make it into a veggie patty. Since the micronutrients of the juice go straight into your bloodstream, there are a couple of rules we follow to make sure we don't feel the side effects of a rapid blood sugar spike. One, make sure you are juicing mostly greens. Our favorite juicing recipe is below. Feel free to change it up, but always keep a similar ratio of veggies to fruits. Remember, beets and carrots are a more sugary vegetable, so limit how much of these you add to your juice. Two, juice on an empty stomach. Many people juice first thing in the morning. Personally, we can't trade our warm cup of coffee for a juice when we wake up, so we usually juice after our morning workout. This way our cells are extra receptive to the sugar. Three, to counter the blood sugar spike, eat protein or fat 15 to 30 minutes after juicing. Good choices would be an egg, a spoonful of nut butter, a few slices of turkey, a grass-fed beef patty. Four, Drink your juice within 15 minutes of preparing it. When the juice is exposed to light and air, it will destroy the nutrients. Research says you can store your juice in a dark, airtight container in the refrigerator, but juice goes so fast in our house that we've never had leftovers to test this with. Five, try to sneak in some garlic and ginger. These are great for their anti-effects, antiviral, antiseptic, antihistamine, anti-inflammatory. Six, don't buy your juice in a bottle. If it's on a store shelf, it's been pasteurized, which means it's been heated to kill all the bad bacteria as well as the good nutrients. My favorite juice recipe is below, but you're welcome to come up with your own variations. The important part is that you're getting greens into your juice and not too many fruits. Well, what about smoothies? Isn't it better to have the fiber? Yes, fiber is good for you, but for this right now, I want you to maximize absorption of nutrients. So go ahead and make smoothies. Just make sure it's in addition to juicing. Your first priority is to juice. 
One of the other problems with smoothies is that they tend to be fruit and carb based, which will cause more of an insulin spike. If you like smoothies, try adding greens, raw kefir, or nut butters in order to keep your insulin levels more even. Remember, if you have diabetes or any trouble managing your blood sugar, make sure you eat some protein within 15 minutes of drinking your juice. Our go-to juice recipe. Three large pieces of kale or up to one colander full, three carrots, three celery stalks, one small beet or half of a large, one green apple, one lemon or lime. Other great foods to juice include Swiss chard, lettuce, fennel, pear, pineapple, asparagus, cilantro, or parsley. What about a juice cleanse? Go for it! That's a little more hardcore than I can do and I don't think it's necessary. However, if you feel like you need it, it can't hurt. Just remember the big picture. It's better to juice three times a week for the rest of your life than to drink only juice three times a day for three days of your life. Listen to your mom first. Please keep trying to juice. I know it's an added expense, but it's much cheaper than a doctor's visit. This book is not rocket science. Decades ago, our moms knew the importance of vegetables. If there is one constant among all diet books, it's that greens are the gold standard when it comes to health. So why is it so hard to integrate them into your diet? Probably because it's just too easy to reach for something sugary, starchy, or processed. If you make greens just as easy to reach for, you will be much more successful in integrating them into your diet. So first, you need to be green aware. Start associating meals with green. Every time you sit down, ask yourself, where's the green? This is really quite easy, especially if you take the decision-making out of the equation. Just start with some basic go-tos, and once you establish a routine, then you can vary it up. For example, breakfast, saute spinach, snack, greens juice, lunch, salad, dinner, baked or boiled broccoli, green beans, or Brussels sprouts. Ideally, the goal is to eat 10 servings of vegetables per day. Half of these should be green vegetables. Salad should be a part of your everyday life. In addition to supplying enzymes, salads also provide a great source of fiber. A typical lunch for us consists of two huge handfuls of greens. We try mixing it up with different lettuces, bell pepper, carrots, celery, tomatoes, cucumber, and a small hand of nuts or seeds a large fistful amount of beans, and protein, beef, pork, chicken, turkey, fish, or eggs. I've rarely come across a salad eating out that I would consider healthy. Most restaurants load their salads with sugar and minimal protein or fiber. When you are in a bind, I understand. Trader Joe's actually sells a couple salads that are okay. I just add more hard-boiled eggs or some deli meat to them. But even this, I only use as an emergency meal when I'm in a bind. It should not be your go-to. I understand having enough time is always an issue. I've been known to grab a head of lettuce, rinse it, and head out the door. My son snacks on raw spinach. There are shortcuts that are super easy. You just have to remember your why. The secret to your success in this habit is shopping. You have to buy way more veggies than you probably think. My weekly grocery cart is already overflowing at Trader Joe's, and that usually only has three days worth of veggies in it. Now, granted, I'm shopping for seven people, but to give you an idea of how many veggies we go through, you should definitely check our blog 
on nomadswithapurpose.com on grocery shopping. It is a huge expense, but it's so worth it. What about the dangerous potato? I am in awe that people won't eat a potato, but have no trouble eating a quesadilla. Starchy vegetables like potatoes, sweet potatoes, and all the wonderful variety of squashes are a key ingredient in losing weight and feeling good. These become a major part of what you should eat to stay healthy and lean, and you want to start integrating them into your meals. I include with the starchy vegetables, rice and oatmeal, but it's important to find good sourced organic gluten-free versions and mix it up. There's a big difference between eating white rice for every meal or having instant oatmeal for breakfast versus brown or black rice on your salad for lunch and acorn squash with a plate full of cauliflower next to your grass-fed beef roast for dinner. The white rice isn't bad, nor is the russet potato, as long as you're getting a diversity of other potatoes, squashes, and more fibrous rices. Eat the rainbow. Here's the only other catch with these starchier vegetables. You have to earn them. I already described how your body reacts to sugar, and the same is true with these starches. However, if you've just exercised, your body's going to respond well to them. So if you're trying to lose weight, only eat them after you've exercised. More healthy fats. A key ingredient in healthy hormones, feeling energetic, and losing weight is eating the right type of fat. Fat-free diets have to be one of the worst fad diets ever. Fat is the number one building block for estrogen and testosterone. You need fat in your diet. The trick is getting the fat without getting any of the bad foods that we talked about earlier. This is why well-sourced protein is so important. The risk in eating too much beef isn't because of the fat in the meat, it's the hormones and how they are raised. Your body knows exactly how to create the right hormones when you give it the right building blocks. If you are worried about adding more beef to your diet, I encourage you to do more research on the benefits of grass-fed beef and its positive impact on cholesterol. This is true of many other animal products. Retrain your brain that cholesterol is good in the right proportion. In addition to beef, there is great healthy fats in nuts and avocado. When you cook, use coconut oil, olive oil, grass-fed butter, lard, or any other rendered fat from pastured animals. You want to avoid rancid fats or bad source fats like canola oil and sunflower oil. What about my social life? How do you eat healthy and have a social life? This is probably the biggest challenge for myself. It is relatively easy to buy, prepare, and eat the foods I lay out in this program, but I already talked about the fact that it does require a time commitment and eating out is probably not going to help you lose weight or have more energy. We have a large extended family, which means lots of birthday parties and get-togethers. Navigating your way through the buffet table can be challenging. I don't mind having an occasional splurge, but if I'm going to, it has to be really, really, really worth it. I don't want to waste my splurge on GMO potato salad, high fructose sugar birthday cake, corn-fed beef, or hormone-laced chicken. Here are some tricks we do to minimize the effect of eating at the party. First, try to eat before you go, especially a good-sized serving of protein. Second, if you do eat at the party, find veggies or salads so that you can fill up on the fiber. Third, find foods that are close to their source as possible. Beans, olives, hard cheese are often good choices here. Fourth, a little alcohol can go a long way. 
Yes, alcohol is a poor choice for calories, but if one beer or one glass of wine, especially if it's organic, locally sourced, or from a microbrewery, can get you through a party and keep you from eating a thousand calories of fake food off the buffet table, and if you're moving the way we teach you to here, then the alcohol could be a good choice. However, that is not a green light to get plastered. One bad effect of alcohol is that it does lower your inhibition and makes you more likely to make a poor decision. In this case, it could be in the form of processed foods, sweets, or excess carbs. The last trick we do is exercise before we're in these situations. Whether it's a party or a night out with your spouse, your body will tolerate the carbs and alcohol better if it's post-workout. Also try to manage your blood sugar by following your carb or alcohol splurge with some protein, good source of course, and water. Before I go on, I want to emphasize if you stick with only these four nutrition habits for the rest of your life, you will look and feel amazing. So let's review them. No fake food. If you can't grow or raise it, and especially if you can't pronounce it, then don't eat it. Drink your greens juice as often as you can. Eat more high nutrient veggies and eat protein that comes from a good source with each meal. Ideally, you should not go past the connection phase until you can apply these principles. Even if the workouts are getting easy, it's not going to do you much good, at least in terms of weight loss, to add more intensity to your training if you can't apply these nutrition habits. If you're having trouble applying these four habits, you need to figure out your sticking points. Where are you messing up? Are you not planning ahead? Are you not buying what you should be eating? Are you making excuses to yourself? Are you justifying to yourself why one Coke a day is okay or why juicing isn't really all that good for you? Are you not all in? Make sure this is still a realistic goal that you value. If you decide it is something you truly want, how can you break the task down or modify your environment to create success? This almost always means more planning ahead but I'm sure you'd agree that your health and well-being are so worth it. Alcohol. Regardless of what the latest reports say, alcohol is not really good for you, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't indulge. The question isn't whether or not to drink. The question is, are you living the big picture? For myself, as long as I am playing hard, I can handle a beer or glass of wine a few nights a week. More than that, and I start to feel the toxic buildup. I like to tell myself that I shouldn't drink at all or that I don't need to drink, but I do. I need the little socialization I get by going out for a drink. I need the letdown of the alcohol after a hard day of climbing or surfing. Yin and yang, baby. If you enjoy having a drink every night, I'm not going to tell you to stop. Instead, try having less. Work on getting it from a better source. Many large beer companies use high fructose corn syrup in their beer. Don't drink these ones. I've noticed a difference even from some of the mid-sized breweries versus smaller breweries. It still comes down to where they get their wheat and hops or grapes. Try to find breweries and wineries that use organic or at least sustainable ingredients. I'm all for shopping local. However, other countries have much higher standards for farming, so it might be worth looking into imported beers or wines. Organic caffeine. Excessive caffeine consumption is a major cause of leaky gut, dysbiosis, and adrenal stress, all of which leads to weight gain or difficulty losing weight. In a perfect world, you would eliminate all caffeine. However, life doesn't have to be perfect. 
but we can always strive towards better. Let's find a way to make your caffeine consumption better. If you do need a dose of caffeine to get going in the morning, let's aim for organic tea or coffee. Faux energy drinks such as Monster and Rockstar are loaded with sugar and chemicals. So if you are still drinking sodas or drinks similar to this, it's time to find a better source for your caffeine fix. Coffee and tea can be good alternatives, but again, we're looking at the source and making sure you aren't adding sugar to it. Bulletproof coffee, which is adding coconut oil and grass-fed butter to your coffee, has become popular and is a good alternative if you feel like you need to add sugar or cream to your coffee. For years, we had drank coffee with half and half and raw sugar, which is much better than adding artificial sweeteners or flavored creamers. But a few years ago, we switched to organic black coffee and coffee has never tasted so good. If you are a coffee drinker, we also encourage you to prepare it with a French press or pour over. Not only will it taste better, but it enhances the experience and that in itself will make you healthier. Remember to limit your caffeine consumption to one or two cups a day. Wean yourself gradually to avoid headaches and withdrawal. Let's review. No starving yourself. Listen to your hunger, not your appetite. No fake food. Have healthy go-tos. Eat out occasionally. Source your eyes and legs. Get on the juice. Listen to your mom and eat more greens. More healthy fats. Make good decisions when you socialize. Source your alcohol and have organic caffeine. Here are some sample meals for the connection phase. Breakfast organic black coffee or green tea, two slices of pastured bacon and or two to three free range eggs, two cups sauteed spinach, snack, not post-workout, organic whole wheat cracker with grass-fed or raw cheese, salami or deli meat with detox spread, olives and tabbouleh, post-workout snack, greens juice, oatmeal with berries and nut butter, peanut butter mood, which is a peanut butter almond milk based smoothie. Lunch, monster salad with salmon, detox salad with chicken, bowl of sweet potato and rice, sausage, brown rice and kale, an afternoon snack, raw trail mix. You'll find a list of dinner ideas at the back of the book. Some of these ideas include chicken soup with organic sourdough bread, spaghetti sauce with lots of veggies, fish tacos, machaca tacos, a roast with mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts and green beans, fajitas, salmon with brie and sourdough bread. Grocery shopping. Your success starts here. If you don't buy it, you won't prepare it and you won't eat it, which means it's not going to make it to your cells. All energy production starts in your cells. If the right enzymes and amino acids are missing, you will never feel awesome. Let's put those shopping skills to good use. This is a list of my essentials. There are many other foods that can go into each category, but these are kind of my weekly go-tos that I buy to make sure that my family feels good and is getting a diversity of healthy foods. So, What to buy? Lots of greens, a variety of lettuce, kale, spinach, arugula. There should be about one cup of greens with each of your meals per person, so shop accordingly. Colorful vegetables. Carrots, celery, bell pepper, cucumber, broccoli, cauliflower, beets, herbs, spices, and alliums. Onion, garlic, cilantro, basil, parsley, as well as seasonings such as sea salt, 
whole peppercorns, turmeric, paprika, cumin, oregano, thyme, and cinnamons are the ones we use most frequently. Good starches. Get a diversity of these, including white, black, and brown rice, yellow, gold, red, and sweet potatoes. A variety of squashes, including zucchini, yellow, acorn, butternut, and pumpkin. Organic versions of whole corn kernels, corn tortillas, corn chips, gluten-free oats. If you aren't gluten-free, then add a little organic sourdough bread and some organic whole grain crackers. Legumes, lentils, pinto, black, garbanzo, and red beans in both canned and dried forms. Nuts, almonds, walnuts, sunflower seeds, pine nuts, pecans, brazil nuts, and hazelnuts. Try to buy raw nuts whenever possible. Fruits, a variety of berries including strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, and cherries. If they aren't in season, get quality frozen versions. Fruits to grab and go like pears, apples, oranges, and bananas. And fruits to use in cooking or in drinks like lemons and limes. We also get a little dried fruit like raisins and cherries to add to trail mix and to put on our brie. Healthy fats, olives, avocados, nut butters, peanut butter, almond butter, cashew butter, coconut and olive oil, grass-fed butter. Protein, make sure to buy free-range, organic, wild, grass-fed, pasture-raised, whole chicken, bacon, salami, sliced deli meat, brie, raw cheese, goat cheese, and other good source hard cheeses, ground beef, roast, and lots of fish. Probiotic foods like sauerkraut, kombucha, kimchi, miso, kefir, and Greek yogurt. Or if you can find raw milk, Pantry items, almond milk, or make your own, organic ketchup, apple cider vinegar, turbinado sugar, raw honey, applesauce ghee, sun-dried tomatoes, organic spaghetti sauce, organic diced tomato and tomato paste, organic chicken and beef stock, dates, and organic chocolate bars. Flour alternatives. We use a mix of coconut flour, brown rice flour, white rice flour, and almond meal for our gluten-free recipes. You, may, you might also like tapioca and potato starch. Get out your crock pot. This is the second biggest factor in my success in eating well, having the right foods prepared ahead of time. If I waited until I was hungry to start making food, I would be a wreck. Our crock pot is almost always going. This is a typical week's work by our crock pot. Saturday morning, start soaking pinto beans in a glass container. Saturday night, drain, rinse, and refill with fresh water and cook the pintos on low overnight. Sunday morning, remove some of the water and then add the bacon fat from breakfast to the crock pot to start mashing the beans with. Then, leave them on low, refrying until dinner. I usually make enough so that I have leftovers for Monday night's dinner too. Sunday night, I will cook a whole organic free-range chicken to add to salads throughout the week. 
Monday morning, peel the chicken off the bones and save the carcass in the refrigerator for that night. Monday morning, I then put a three or four pound grass-fed roast in the crock pot with a few cloves of garlic, salt, pepper, and a can of diced tomato, which helps break down the meat to make it more tender. And I'll cook it on low for six to eight hours. Then take it out and shred the meat so that it's ready for machaca, tacos, or salad. Monday night, I'll cover the chicken carcass with water and add some carrots and celery and garlic to make chicken broth to use to cook my rice throughout the week. Tuesday morning, I'll put in a pork roast, I prefer a pork butt, with some barbecue sauce on low and cook it for six to eight hours. Then shred the meat to make pulled pork sandwiches, tacos, or just eat it alone with some rice and veggies. Tuesday night, I'll put in another whole organic free range chicken on low overnight. Wednesday morning, I'll take out the chicken and peel the meat off, saving the meat for dinner. Then I put the chicken carcass back in the crock pot with a few carrots and celery stalks, garlic, and a bay leaf. Covering it with water, I'll cook it on high for a few hours. Straining the broth, I'll return it back to the crock pot and add in all the vegetables that I want for our soulful soup recipe. This will be our dinner that night. Before dinner, I'll add the chicken back in that I'd peeled off that morning and serve it with an organic crusty sourdough loaf or brown rice if you're in the determination phase, and voila, a dinner to soothe the soul. Wednesday night, you can make bone broth with grass-fed soup bones, or Wednesday night, you can start soaking your black beans in a glass container if you're trying not to use canned black beans. Thursday morning, I prepare spaghetti sauce and let it cook on low all day. Thursday night, I'll cook the black beans on low so that they're ready to eat for dinner on Friday. You can also make extra black beans to add to your chili if you don't want to use canned beans. Friday morning, I slice up three to four pounds of grass-fed roast, a tri-tip or a brisket works well, along with bell peppers and onions, and now I'll have fajitas that'll be ready for dinner. You can try eating the fajitas with organic corn tortilla, sprouted rice, or just the black beans. Saturday, I'm usually worn out from the week, so I go with an easy chili recipe and let it simmer all day long in the crock pot. Don't forget to start soaking the pintos to start the process over on Sunday. Now, if you are a blood type O, you might want to do another roast or more ground beef instead of the chicken to use for your lunch during the week. Personally, I do both because half the family does more beef and the other half does better with chicken. Side note, you can do all of this with an instant pot too. In the book on page 91, you'll see a crock pot schedule with everything I just covered, as well as a grocery list for all the crock pot meals. Sunday prep day. If you pre-make a few basics at the beginning of the week, they can help you when you're in a bind or running out of time. The crock pot does a good job of keeping protein ready for our family, but we also need some quality carbs to get us through the day. I like to have some brown rice and sweet potatoes pre-cooked to add to the meals. If you're doing salad for lunch during the week, then having some of the veggies pre-chopped is very helpful. I love adding avocados to my salad or tacos, but they're rarely ripe when you buy them in the store. So I'll go buy avocados twice a week so that I always have a supply of ripe ones to eat. Having bags of pre-cut veggies is also helpful. I'll get bags of pre-cut pre-washed spinach, kale, and cruciferous mix at Trader Joe's so that I can just toss them into some of these recipes. Making hummus, herb spread, and salad dressing on Sunday helps me make successful choices later in the week. While you're at it, look through your refrigerator and dump what you aren't using. 
Get rid of the bad sauces and dressings that have preservatives, soy, and bad oils. Stop saving the leftovers that no one's going to eat. When you open your refrigerator, you should see only choices that you're going to want to put in your body. Also, take a peek into your pantry. There aren't any distractions in there, right? If you have snack foods, even if you say they're for the kids, in the pantry, it will be hard to count on pure willpower when you're hungry and tired. We don't buy snack foods unless we are out of the house and in a bind. I find it's better to get in the habit of thinking ahead in terms of meals so I don't get lazy and depend on snacks. For snacks, we bake gluten-free banana bread or energy date balls. That way I can stock my pantry with whole food ingredients instead of prepackaged snacks. Now living in a motorhome means very little space. I don't have room to keep things that aren't being used often or aren't going to bring us nutritional value. If you open our fridge, half of it's filled with vegetables. The little room I have left can only fit eggs, meat, butter, almond milk. Our tiny freezer has frozen grass-fed beef, bacon, frozen berries. The pantry, if you can even call it that, has nuts and nut butters, canned beans, dried beans, and a variety of rices, flours, oats, coffee, teas, sugar, honey, canned pumpkin, applesauce, ghee, coconut oil, olive oil, potatoes, sweet potatoes, diced tomatoes, tomato paste, spaghetti sauce, and of course, organic chocolate bars. Be a food snob. Ask my kids and they will tell you when it comes to food, I am extremely picky. They call me a coffee snob, beer snob, cheese snob, chocolate snob. I don't mean to offend, but to me, good quality food makes me happy. It makes my cells sing and my brain dance. What? Your brain doesn't dance? Living in what many would call the most evolved country in the world, you would think getting high quality food would be easy, but it's not. In fact, it takes a lot of work and money to get food you can trust. Victor says you can't love food, but I do. I love good food so much that I'm dragging my kids all around the world in search of it. Well, and nature and adventure. I think a lot of people actually feel more like a slave to food, but I'm convinced it's because you haven't found the right food. Whether it's not the right food for your body or just not the right quality of food, it's worth putting in the effort to nurture your relationship with food. We are what we eat and our potential happiness starts at a cellular level. Whenever possible, and especially when we are traveling through the Pacific Northwest, we buy our food at farmer's markets. However, I can't always find a farmer's market when I need it, and in some places the quality doesn't justify the expense compared to what I can get at Trader Joe's. For some reason, maybe it's cost and crowds, I don't buy as often at our local farmer's market in San Diego as I should. I have a strong attachment to Trader Joe's. I love the vibe, the atmosphere, the familiar faces, the prices, and the consistency. Also, sometimes just spending money on pre-made products, such as bagged pre-washed spinach, saves time and money as long as the ingredients are good. Congratulations on finishing the connection phase. I hope you are inspired to start thinking, moving, and eating your way towards a more playful life. Take your time with this first phase and be patient with yourself. Gradual change often leads to permanent change and keeping the big picture in mind will help you on less than perfect days. Remember to stay focused on actions such as doing warm-up one, making time for the stretching sequence, and eating high quality protein. You are the sum total of all these small habits. When you are ready to add more, then move on to the intention phase. Eat to play. This phase is all about your gut, or more specifically, leaky gut and dysbiosis. In essence, it's an imbalance between the number of good bacteria and bad bacteria in the gut. 
If you have any digestive issues, you really should look more into dysbiosis causes and treatments. Like most conditions, this typically results from stress and poor diet. You can take all the supplements you want, but the fact is, if you don't learn to manage your stress and eat right, it's not going to help much. Stress is a very, very broad term, and managing your stress level is one of the most important things you can do. This is why I start my Playful Life program with Think to Play, because in essence, you need to first align your thoughts with your actions. If you are in a job that doesn't make you happy, if you are living by others' expectations, if you have so much on your to-do list that you only sleep six hours a night, if you are constantly needing caffeine to keep up with life's demands, all of this is treated as stress to your body and the end result will be the same, dysbiosis. Everything I'm teaching you in Playful Life program should recreate symbiosis or harmony in your body. Your body is wired for health and efficiency. If you take care of it by eating balanced meals centered around vitamin-rich vegetables and high-quality protein, getting eight hours of restorative sleep every night, getting rid of excess baggage, finding activities that bring you a sense of fulfillment, learn to breathe slowly, and move with intention. Fruit. This may come as a shock, but try eating less fruit. I know you've been told to eat more fruits and vegetables, but fruit is a lot of sugar, and for now, we're trying to get harmony in the digestive system. So we want to lower the total amount of sugar going in. For a lot of women, this is a hard one to give up. It could be that it's linked to hormones and craving fruit is fulfilling a sweet tooth, but for whatever reason, if you crave fruit a lot, I recommend not eating any of it for a while. You're not gonna give it up forever, but it's a good idea to try for a few weeks of the intention phase. There's one exception, and that is the one apple you may put in your greens juice to cut the strong taste of the spinach or kale. But even here, you could try eliminating the fruit since you can cut the flavor with carrots and beets. Try for one week and see how you feel. We depend on sugar more than we realize, and the fact is fruit is still sugar, so try to be aware of how much you crave and how you feel after. As far as for my kids, I don't limit their fruit, but I do try to have them eat their fruit with some type of fat or protein so it doesn't cause too much of an insulin spike for them. Personally, I eat very little fruit. It drops my blood sugar levels too quickly and the energy I get from it is short-lived, so I choose better food sources in general. That's not to say that I never have fruit. I do put frozen berries in my smoothies. However, I rarely drink smoothies. I also do uh, occasionally make gluten-free breads with berries or bananas. When you do eat fruit, try to eat whatever is in season and as local as possible to get the most benefits. For example, in the fall, we make a lot of food of apples and pumpkins. I like to keep some frozen organic berries and mango pieces in the freezer so that if I do have a sweet tooth or if I eat too heavy of a dinner, I can have a few pieces of frozen fruit and feel better. Another thing to keep in mind is as you move into the determination phase where you become grain free, fruit can start to replace some of the grains in your diet, such as our gluten-free banana bread recipe or gluten-free oatmeal with bananas and peanut butter. Don't forget, you need to still try to earn your carbs and only eat fruit post-workout. If you're having trouble limiting your fruit intake, try eating a square of dark chocolate, not the whole bar, that has 70% cacao or more and doesn't contain soy. Legumes. 
This is a big area where we differ from paleo diets. When you are put on an anti-inflammation diet, beans are one of the things that you eliminate. So why would I recommend adding them and prioritizing them in your diet? Basically, it's because I believe the easiest way to make healthy choices in our diets is to think of ourselves as vegetarians who supplement with well-sourced protein. In order to do that, you need a food that will fill you up and give you energy without needing to eat a whole chicken or a pound of beef at every meal. Beans are a major staple for many cultures worldwide because they are a great source of protein and fiber and provide some starches to keep your energy levels up. They actually contain antioxidants and help reduce your chances of diabetes, heart disease, and best of all, they are cheap. I have a lot of clients tell me they can't eat beans because it makes them gassy. This is a huge indicator that you have some level of dysbiosis going on. If this is the case, try gradually adding in beans in small doses. Eat good bugs. To help heal or prevent dysbiosis, ideally I recommend you add both a supplement and probiotic rich foods. Some probiotic supplements also help heal leaky gut and gluten damage to the intestinal wall and are a great option if you have digestive issues. If you can only do one of the two, then start with getting probiotic rich foods. This way you're adding more good food to your diet without feeling like you're giving something up. Probiotic rich foods include plain unflavored yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, miso, pickles, tempeh, kimchi, and kombucha tea. If you do the yogurt or kefir, then try to find a raw or unpasteurized brand. Personally, I try to keep sauerkraut stocked in my fridge and take bites of it throughout the day to help keep my gut flora at healthy levels and to offset the glass of wine or beer I often have before dinner. It can be an expensive habit, especially since my kids love to drink this too, but I do buy kombucha tea often to drink in the afternoon. I find it gives me a little energy boost and satiates my sweet tooth. Bone broth is especially good at healing leaky gut and has become so popular you can find it in most grocery stores. It's very easy to just make your own. I like when we buy a half a cow because soup bones come with it. Now I just buy grass-fed bone knuckles and throw them in the crock pot with carrots, celery, garlic, onions, and salt. I cook it on low overnight, then strain it and can add it to my meals. Or you can serve it by itself and use it to make a heartier soup. A half cup of bone broth with each meal helps tremendously to heal leaky gut. Are you nutty? Nuts are a great source of protein and fat. If you have experimented with a paleo diet, you will be very familiar with using nuts to fill the gap of wheat since almond flour is often used in a lot of the baking recipes instead of wheat flour. We try to use almond flour in our baking as much as possible. However, this can become quite costly and we choose to mix in rice flours or almond meal, which is less expensive. Nuts provide a diversity of vitamins and great nutrients, plus they add texture to your meals and are easy to carry with you. Choose raw versions of nuts whenever possible to avoid eating nuts that have been roasted in unhealthy oils. When I'm in a bind, a handful of almonds are great, but personally they're not always part of my go-to anymore. What is part of my go-to is nut butters. I almost always have three tablespoons of almond butter or peanut butter before bed. If you have trouble staying asleep through the night, try this trick. Often the reason we wake up in the middle of the night is due to low blood sugar and by eating some fat and protein before bed will help regulate your blood sugar throughout the night. My preferred delivery service for nut butters, a spoon. 
You could do celery, but that's just not my, one of my go-tos either. Once you get through the determination phase, then hopefully you aren't having it on toast, but I understand if you need to make small steps. You'd laugh or cringe if you saw my family pass around a jar of peanut butter before bed with a spoon and practically finish the jar in just one sitting. I do let my kids have the nut butter with apples or bananas. I just don't eat it that way because it's too much sugar for me. The only problem with nuts is that in their raw state, and roasting doesn't change this, they contain enzyme inhibitors, which means in order to properly digest them, your body needs to come up with some enzymes, which it can do by producing more or taking an enzyme supplement. The problem is that we are limited in how many enzymes our body can produce, and when our body has to shift energy to producing digestive enzymes, it will have to cut back on the amount of metabolic enzymes it can make. Everything is a trade-off, and you want to listen to your body. For a long time, I'd snack on almonds all day, but eventually it started taking a toll on my digestive system. Again, back to the rule of everything in moderation. There is one other way to get around this, and that's to soak your nuts, which does not mean your husband sits in a spa. Basically, when you soak the nuts in water overnight, you are causing the seeds to germinate, which makes the enzyme inhibitor go away, and then the enzymes are readily available to help digest the nut. After you soak the nut, you will want to dehydrate them to get them back to their original taste and texture. Now, you can skip this step, but the flavor of the nut will be very mushy. Living in a motorhome makes it quite hard to dehydrate our nuts, but if you want to get an Excalibur, it is great for this. Your new food habits. By now, hopefully many of the food habits you have learned in the previous phase have been integrated into your daily routine long enough that you don't even have to think about it anymore. Hopefully you're also feeling the benefits of eating this way and are motivated to keep stacking habits. Here's a review of what all your eating habits together should look like. You are only eating real food that can be grown or raised and it comes from a good source. You're eating vegetables at most meals and juicing at least three times a week. If you drink coffee or tea, you're limiting it to organic sources. You eat probiotic foods, limit your fruit intake, and you've integrated beans and raw nuts into your diet. And as a quick review, no starving yourself, listen to your hunger, not your appetite, no fake foods, have healthy go-tos, eat out occasionally slash rarely, source your eyes and legs, get on the juice, listen to your mom and eat more greens, Eat more healthy fats, make good decisions when you socialize, source your alcohol, drink organic caffeine, limit your fruit, eat more legumes and nuts, and one probiotic food each day. Sample meals for the intention phase. Breakfast, black beans, ham, and spinach omelet. Kefir smoothie with raw honey, berries, and kale. Snacks not post-workout. Hummus with celery and cucumbers sauerkraut, organic pickles, kombucha, raw cheese, lunch, a monster salad with red beans, sausage, lentil, and kale, spinach, onion, meat patties with peanut butter and sauerkraut, miso soup with salad, post-workout snacks, Greek yogurt with walnuts and raw honey, banana apple cookies, apple pumpkin muffins, for dinner, grass-fed ground beef with refried beans and rice, chili, check out our recipe, uh, add kimchi or tempeh to your dinner, snacks before bed, tablespoons of nut or seed butter. To improve gut health, 
Try adding a half cup of bone broth to each phase. of your meals. Eat to play. Quote, if you wish to be a warrior, prepare to get broken. If you wish to be an explorer, prepare to get lost. And if you wish to be a lover, prepare to be both. Daniel Saint. Grain-free. At this point, if you're juicing, eating five to 10 servings of grains, intaking probiotics, eating a free range protein source at each meal, and eating more fibrous beans, you probably don't have much room for grains in your diet. However, if you are really attached to breads, pastas, rice, corn, etc., and the thought of giving them up frustrates you, then don't. Instead, just experiment with one week of not eating them and see how you feel. There's plenty of research out there to support why grains are linked to obesity and weight gain. In addition, grains are often the cause of acid reflux, irritable bowel syndrome, dysbiosis, leaky gut, autoimmune disease, diabetes, hypothyroidism, inverted cortisol, anxiety, depression, asthma, food allergies, and hormone imbalances. If you have any inflammatory symptoms or diseases, then you should avoid all grains, including wheat, rye, barley, corn, oats, sorghum, and rice to give your body a chance to eliminate all these allergens. This would also include corn starch, potato flour, tapioca starch, and rice flour. The idea when you go grain-free is that now your diet should only consist of vegetables, meat, fish, nuts, and beans. After a week or two of grain-free, you can try some gluten alternatives and see how you feel. When I bake, I typically mix almond meal or almond flour, brown rice flour, and a little sweet rice flour. A lot of gluten-free recipes call for tapioca flour or sorghum flour. I'm not a fan of these, but I do know that they work fine for a lot of people. Remember to pay attention to how you feel physically and mentally after you eat something. If you feel good eating this way, I encourage you to try and continue eating as grain-free as possible until you reach the weight you desire. Eventually, you can reintroduce some occasional grains in your diet, but preferably not on an everyday basis. Dairy, it does a body good, or does it? I saved this one for the end because I personally don't feel this one is clear cut. Overall, I recommend people avoid milk altogether because it's typically not from a good source and it's pasteurized, which means it's lost all its beneficial bacteria. If you love milk, then one way to keep it in your diet is through drinking raw milk. Victor and my kids love raw milk, but it is so expensive that I only buy it as a treat. Imagine raw milk being a treat. I am guilty of being lazy and buying almond milk as a substitute to use in smoothies, but it isn't very good choice since most of them have stabilizers in them. Making your own nut milk is super easy and I do try to do it as often as I can, but definitely not as much as I should. For me, cheese is where I draw the line on dairy-free. Basically, if the cheese comes from a farm in another country or from a local, sustainable, organic farm, then I will eat it. But I won't touch any cheese that is mass-produced, pre-shredded, or from industrialized farms of America. This rule is super easy for me because once you start tasting really good cheeses, it's easy to avoid the bad ones. You also see in this recipe book that we do French brie cheese occasionally with some organic sourdough. For me, this fulfills my pizza craving and I feel less guilty and it doesn't bother my stomach if it's from a good source. Some people do okay eating goat's milk and you can experiment with that. I'm not a huge fan, but I do occasionally have goat cheese, especially on salad or homemade pizzas. 
As a rare treat, we make homemade gluten-free pizza and put blueberry goat cheese on it with arugula and butternut squash, yum. I'm a fan of what cheese does for my blood sugar. A small slice of cheese goes a long way to make me feel satiated and the little bit of salt and cheese I think helps my adrenals stay happy since I probably don't salt my food enough. What about yogurt, especially Greek yogurt? Well, depends on your why. There are many, many worse choices you could make than yogurt. However, there are many better choices you can make also. If you love yogurt and the thought of cutting it out makes you frustrated, then don't. If you do everything else right and you are still not losing weight, assuming that is your goal, then it might be time to cut it out. Often the foods we are most addicted to are the ones that create the most inflammation in our bodies. Which seems counterintuitive, but from what I've read, it's like our bodies get addicted to the reaction. Remember, I'm not a doctor. I'm only telling you from my experience with myself and my clients. If you are eating yogurt for the probiotic benefits, you're probably better off taking a probiotic supplement and making other dietary changes that we've already covered. Remember, as you cut the bread, pasta, and tortillas, you may need to increase the amount of protein and vegetables that you usually eat. Eliminating food allergens should not mean that you're lowering your total calories for the day. Quote, you are fierce. You're a survivor. You're a fighter through and through. Little brave, breathe. There's a warrior within you. Bo Taplin. Are you a warrior? When I was a kid, my dad worked in construction, and for a few years, I went to work with him every day in the summer. We would start our day with a light breakfast, which was usually a sausage croissant breakfast sandwich from Burger King, and then head to the job site. I'd find some random way to entertain my sister and I for the next seven hours while my dad worked up an intense sweat fixing or building whatever job he was on. It was an extremely long day because he never stopped for lunch. If we were lucky, he'd stop at some point to have a Coke and get us one too. Luckily, my stepmom was an amazing cook, and by the time we got home for dinner, we threw down big time. Now, by no means was this healthy food choice, but remember, it was 20 years ago. Coke was still probably made from sugar, and industrialized meat wasn't produced quite as bad as it is today. If you met my dad back then, he was definitely doing something right to defy the laws of aging. Looking at myself, I will agree some of our age-defying tactics can be linked to genetics. However, not all. I didn't enjoy, per se, eating like that as a kid. In fact, when I wasn't with my dad, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all day long. But as I became a mom and was more aware of maintaining my body composition, I became more aware of the amount I ate during the day. Then, as I became a mom of five, it was so expensive feeding everyone that I would often just skip meals and eat less to save money. But what really made me a firm believer in this warrior style type eating was when I started surfing. Most mornings, I grabbed a cup of coffee and would head into the water. Well, a funny thing happens in your brain when you are that engrossed in an activity that you enjoy. You aren't hungry. When you're a soldier on the battlefield, you can't stop every three hours and have a light snack. You might eat something light before heading into battle, but with the nerves and the intensity of battle looming, you aren't going to want anything too heavy, or it's probably coming back up when you start marching. Now, if you are lucky and make it back to the mess hall, you're probably going to eat a huge amount. I get it, this analogy doesn't quite apply to life today, but there are some similarities depending on how you spend your days. 
For example, when we are vagabonding around the western U.S. and Europe, I would wake up, have my coffee, and then be out on the trail, the rock wall, or in the ocean within an hour. If we were climbing a new spot, there was always adrenaline pumping through me, wondering if I'd be able to lead the climbs, or even if it was just a hike, you'd have the awe of the scenery that you really didn't think much about food. Sometimes I'd grab a piece of bacon or a spoon of almond butter before we left, and I'd usually carry like a sports bra or some nuts on the trail, but nothing big. Towards the end of our trip, we'd start making jokes that I was a sundial. Almost every time I got hungry, it was three o'clock on the dot. After seven hours of climbing or hiking, it wasn't time to sit and eat a salad. No way. It was go time. Straight to the nearest local brewery for an IPA and nachos. Not like nachos with cheese sauce. I wanted like nachos piled with beef and pork and beans and guac and sour cream. Now, I'm not telling you to go drink beer and eat nachos unless you've really, truly earned it. But I am telling you that if you alter your activity level, you'll also be able to indulge a little more without the consequences of gaining weight. The first time I read Ori Hoffmeckler's book, The Warrior Diet, I couldn't believe there was so much science behind the way I was already instinctually eating. I didn't know all the hormonal benefits of eating this way or that in essence it was helping me stay lean and strong. All I knew was play hard, eat hard. I felt good and looked good, so why eat differently? What caught my attention most in this book was on the first page of the preface when he says, this is not just a diet, it's a way of life. It involves your body and mind and gives you a sense of freedom, a sense that, in my opinion, many people lack today. This is so true, and if you happen to lack this today, it's not your fault. Technology has changed the rules for us. You definitely can change it back, though. I joke with my loving husband about moving to Kauai or somewhere else tropical, but the reality is, I'm not sure I could do it. I'm sure I could surf warm waters every day, but the lying around under a palm tree drinking a pina colada would get really old for me really fast. I need a constant challenge, a constant prey, so that I'm feeling challenged and living up to my potential. The flip side is city life doesn't really appeal to me either. It requires so much work to get into nature and move in a more predatory manner that it doesn't happen enough for me. Like everything, there has to be balance. Oh, like maybe living in Hawaii and writing another book. The basic principle behind the warrior diet is to cycle between periods of undereating and overeating. If you're really interested in all the specifics of the warrior diet, then I highly recommend reading Ori Hoffmeckler's book, where it explains the eating plan in more detail. But the basic premise centers around eating one large meal a day in the evening. By not eating much during the day, you increase the amount of time that the body can detoxify itself during the fasting portion of the day and also teaches the body to use body fat for energy. Eating a warrior style dinner can be a little confusing and in my experience it is hard at first if you're eating a grain free dairy free diet. So consider keeping the two separate if you need to. That's not to say some people can't pull it off. But the premise behind eating a huge meal for dinner is a little easier when you have a diversity of nutrients, textures, and flavors. If you're eating only meat and veggies, you can still do this, but you will need to prepare a lot of it so that you are fully satiated. Remember the idea behind this eating style is to be fully satiated after dinner to elicit a relaxation response and be able to shift into your parasympathetic system to allow for good digestion. 
It can be used to help you continue to lose weight and body fat, as well as gives you an eating strategy that can be used in social settings. Here's the summary of how the Warrior Style Eating Plan works. If you want more details, check out Ori's book. It is pretty interesting. The focus is on eating as minimal as possible most of the day. You can graze on small amounts of protein, veggies, or nuts throughout the day to hold you off until dinner, but you don't have to eat if you don't want to. If you feel like you do need to eat throughout the day, try something like this. In the morning, have your coffee or tea with a small amount of protein and veggies. For lunch, again, have a small amount of protein and vegetables or a protein shake with water. Keep the serving small. After your workout, if it's before dinner, have a protein shake with water. You can add cinnamon, ice, some vanilla extract to add some more flavor. For dinner, you get to eat as much as you like, but you have to follow some rules if you're looking for fat loss. Start with a large salad that consists of a huge diversity of veggies. Use olive oil and vinegar as a dressing. All vegetables are okay to eat, and the more the better. Next, move into your main course, which should consist of well-sourced meat, fish, or poultry. Have more pan-sautéed or grilled veggies, and add a good fat, avocado, grass-fed butter, well-sourced animal fat or lard. If you feel like an alcoholic beverage, have one glass of dry red wine. Don't limit the quantity of food at dinner. Remember, you are eating until you are fully satiated. The number one rule for dinner is to eat until you're more thirsty than hungry. Overeating at dinner will make sure your endocrine and metabolic systems don't slow down due to prolonged carb restriction and will help you not feel deprived on this eating plan. When you reach a maintenance phase, you can integrate this eating style and allow carb consumption after your main course of meat, fish, poultry, and veggies. I love how eating this way makes me look and feel. However, my preferred method of warrior style eating is a little different. I like to start with a glass of red wine while snacking on olives, artichokes, and salami. Occasionally, I will also have a little sourdough bread with grass-fed butter if I can find high-quality bread and butter. Or I might have a little bit of brie, hazelnuts, and some dried cherries. Next, I will have a huge salad. Then I will finish with a serving of fish or other well-sourced meat with veggies, followed by one square of dark chocolate, of course. I know when I am satiated because all of a sudden I am more thirsty than hungry. I also like to have a cup of tea after dinner to help with digestion. In my opinion, you can't eat like a warrior if you don't fight or play like a warrior. You have to be actively engaged in physical activities that require using your mind for something more than just counting reps. If your job requires sitting at a desk or is fairly sedentary, you might struggle eating this way. Even some exercise that isn't mentally challenging will not work with this type of diet. However, I encourage you to experiment with eating like this and see if it works for you. I have had many clients who cringed when I first told them to eat this way and then they fell in love with it. Eating like this comes easy to me. However, it was really hard for Victor to eat like this at first, but now he loves it. Intuition is powerful. There is no cookie cutter nutrition plan out there. There are lots of theories, but life is dynamic and our bodies respond differently. Learn to listen to what your body needs and experiment. Of course, you aren't a true warrior hunting your food, but by having the awareness to think through your meals, 
shop at healthy stores for the right ingredients, prioritizing time to prepare your food, and then sitting down to enjoy healthy food that you took the time, money, and energy to provide will create a warrior mind. And with a warrior mentality, as Ori Hoffmeckler puts it, your instincts will be centered around living, alert, energetic, active, productive, hungry for life. Another form of warrior diet is intermittent fasting. Typically, this involves not eating for a specific time period. Some people do it from 10 p.m. to noon. Other people go 24 to 36 hours of fasting. This has the same premise behind it as the warrior diet in that you're giving your digestive system a prolonged break and allowing it to detoxify. Some of the benefits of intermittent fasting or the warrior diet include improved hormone function, increased metabolism, overall less calorie consumption, a drop in insulin levels, which reduces your risk of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, increase in growth hormone, which facilitates fat burning and muscle gain, increased rate of detox, decreased inflammation, lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, lower LDL, lower triglycerides, reduced risk of cancer, improved brain function, and overall to live longer. If you truly are living a playful life, eating like a warrior will come naturally and the benefits you feel from it will speak for themselves. Supplements. When we start working with clients, everyone asks, what supplements should I take? First and foremost, good food is the best supplement you can have. I'm amazed how much people will spend on protein powder or creatine, but won't spend it on good source meat and organic vegetables. So before you go crazy buying everything listed below, try to make an effort on the first four nutrition habits of no processed food, drinking a greens juice, eating more vegetables, and buying well-sourced protein. Once you've got that mastered, here are some other supplements that will help you. Vitamin C, fish oil or omega-3, protein powder, creatine monohydrate, ZMA, and amino acids.